Welcome to the Marriage Today podcast. I'm Karen, and this is my husband, Jimmy, and we're so excited for you to be here. We're going to talk today about finding the purpose of your marriage. This is one of the most important marriage teachings you will ever hear. Mm-hmm. Many people, Karen, when they get married, they know that God put them together. They just don't know why. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about finding the why of why God put you together. It really will it will take your marriage to another level. Now, before we go to the teaching here in just a few minutes, we have questions from some of our viewers, and I think you have the mm-hmm. first one there. My husband and I have been married for three years and have struggled from the beginning. We have not found the rhythm of how this new family and unit should function. Where do we even begin? Good question. Um, it sounds almost like there are, we're already children present, but... Um, no, it actually doesn't say any children. Yeah. Well, the... When you get married and, you know, it says we've struggled from the beginning, you, you obviously didn't have a lot of training. Um, you know, if, if you would have been prepared for marriage, you would have been prepared for, you know, what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I would just say uh, read uh, like Four Laws of Love. My book will give you a good foundational understanding of the marriage relationship. This program today is talking about the purpose of your marriage. See, a lot of times marriage just gets into a drift. Mm-hmm. You really don't know what you're trying to accomplish. You don't really have a vision for your marriage. And we teach people on in this teaching how to have a vision retreat, mm-hmm. how to get a vision for your marriage. And what happens is it brings you together in, a, in one single purpose and it helps you to succeed in marriage. So I would just say you're probably struggling because you really don't know what you're trying to accomplish. <laughs> And so we have all kinds of resources. We have the the uh, vision retreat guide, and all these are on our, our website on xlmarriage.com. Our vision retreat guide to help you go on a vision retreat and find the purpose for your marriage, the four laws of love. Those are just to mention a couple. Plus we have XO Now, which is our streaming platform. We have hundreds of videos on there that you can watch to enhance your marriage. And so I would just say education. Well, what I love about it is that I've only been married three years. Yeah. This is ideal situation right. of you can have a great marriage because to me, your crisis is not a crisis. Yeah. And you, if you continue on this, it'll be a crisis. Yeah. But right now you're just like getting your like baby steps. Oh, okay. We're not babies anymore. We're toddlers. We're teenagers. And so get the material. I'm just telling you, I can't tell you how much the, this last book that he just did has changed people's lives. People who have been married forever had no idea uh, how to be married till they read that book. And so it's great that you're finally, you know, having this conversation. And so it'll, it'll help. It will. Mm-hmm. Okay. My wife and I are both very opinionated and butt heads a lot. <laughs> we get so aggravated when we try to resolve any big issue in our marriage. How do we get on the same page? That's cute. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, this is, I'm thinking of my parents. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, when I was, was too. When I, I know. This, yeah. this is how I was raised. <laughs> I was raised with extremely opinionated parents. And honestly, I, was, I will tell you this. If this is the case, you guys need to get counseling because the damage is, that's being done with that kind of a toxic environment is not good. And, you know, I would highly recommend you getting counseling and uh, coming into a situation where you can bring peace with each other. Because, you know, opinions come and go. It's like you don't want to build a relationship on opinions. You know, you want to build it on love and on friendship and on communication and having fun together. And so, you know, what what your opinion is, is here today, gone tomorrow. Who cares, you know? But um, I would highly recommend getting the counseling and to know that, especially if you have children, it's affecting them. It's, it's affecting them a big way. You know, when you have two people butting heads is it means combated wills two wills like this 
you you take your two wills and submit those to the will of God. Uh, Jesus said every day to pray the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The word kingdom there is the word basileia in the Greek language. It means the direct rule of God. Mm-hmm. And what it means is I'm coming under your authority and I pray for your will to be done. So in our marriage, Karen, uh, it, and we're not, we both have strong opinions, mm-hmm. but we're submitted to God. Mm-hmm. And what we want in our marriage is not what you want or what I want. It's what God wants. Exactly. And so that tempers our relationship. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't, don't have opinions. But when it says when you have, we're both very opinionated, butt heads a lot, you don't need to be so, so opinionated. You don't need to be button heads. You need to be cooperating in a loving marriage to find the will of God. And if you do that, like you said, Karen, this is dangerous. It's, it's bad for the kids. It's bad for you. Uh, it, it just means there's a lot of ill will in the relationship mm-hmm. that needs to change. We hope that that's helpful for you. We're going to talk now. We're going to go to the teaching on finding your purpose in marriage. We hope you enjoy this. I'm going to talk to you about the purpose for your marriage and knowing the purpose for your marriage. And again, I want to say if I could only teach three marriage sessions, this would be one because of the profound importance this will have in your marriage. Now, let me begin. I'm going to tell you some facts. Fact number one, in five years, you will not be the same. In five years, you will not be the same. I was at Gateway Church and Bill Hybels was the speaker and he made the statement to the church and he said, in five years, you will not be the same. You will be better or you will be worse, but you will not be the same. And the decisions that you're making right now will determine in five years what you will be. So let me just pick up on what Bill Hybel said and just make that applicable to couples. You won't be the same in five years. And just think about your friends. Think about some of your friends that you know that in the last five years that they have just done really well and prospered and flourished, their marriage is great. But think of couples that you know that in the last five years their life has imploded. Okay, in five years, you could have experienced the greatest years of your life and your marriage be exponentially better than it is right now. Or it's gonna be worse, but it won't be like it is right now. It'll be better or worse. Fact number two, success happens on purpose and never by accident. Never by accident. You will not wake up in five years and say, you know, honey, we never talk and we never spend any time together, but boy, isn't marriage fabulous? This is just, I don't, we never work at it, but boy, we've never been so happy. It won't do that. If you don't work at success, it won't happen. There are certain things that we have to do. Fact number three, in marriage, success only happens if we're both in agreement and committed to the same purpose. It's about two. When I was single, I could do things by myself and it would work if I was in agreement with me. But when I got married, Karen then had to be in agreement. It's there's going to be two of us. Amos 3.3 3 has a question, and it demands a no answer. Can two walk together unless they're in agreement? Can, can two walk together? The answer is no, you can't, because you're, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a tug of war because you're not in agreement. And what it really means is, can two walk together unless they first agree? They sit there in agreement. Well, most people never talk about deeper things of marriage. For example, why did God put us together? Most couples never have that conversation before they're married. So you're walking, marriage is the longest journey in life, and you really, you're not in agreement. So you're trying to walk together, but you're not in agreement. Naaman says, you can't do it. 
Unless you're first in agreement, you're just not going to be able to walk the way that you want to walk. And so let me just ask you this question. And it's just a real simple question. Do you know why God puts you together? Do you know the purpose for your marriage? Could you write it down? Could you articulate it? Well, most people can't and we couldn't. Karen and I were clueless about why God put us together. And it was one of the reasons that we fought all the time and that we just weren't being successful. Here's fact number four. To find the purpose for your life in marriage, you have to start with the big questions. You don't start with the little questions of where we're gonna live and those kinds of things. It's the big questions. Now, when people are polled and they're saying, if you could ask God anything, why would you, what would you ask him? This is a national poll that was a secular poll. And they said, if you were able to, to ask God any question, what would your question be? The number one response of people across America is, why am I here? What's, what's my purpose here on earth? Not, not me as a married couple, but what is my purpose here on earth? I want to give you the definitive answer for that because it begins this entire process of understanding our purpose in marriage. This is life's universal purpose, Matthew 22. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Well, the Bible was the law and the prophets. That's what they had. They had the Pentateuch, which was the law, and then they had the prophets. And Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. On those two commandments, the entire Bible is suspended. If you love God and love people, you've done everything that the Bible tells you to do. Love is the interpretive key to the Bible. If you don't understand love, you can't understand the Bible because it's the inter God is love. Our God is a loving, gracious, wonderful daddy. And he loves us and he sent his son to die for us because he loves us so much. That's the interpretive key to the entire Bible. And so when you understand love, you understand God. You understand the Bible. Everything makes sense. When you don't understand love, you don't. Well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the meanest people on earth. They were mean-spirited people. They put Jesus to death. They robbed widows of their money. Jesus called them a brood of vipers. These were mean-spirited people, and they were testing Jesus to see if he knew enough of his Bible. And they said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, I'll give you the, I'll give you the only two commandments. Everything the Bible says is about love and is about relationship. And by the way, when Jesus says the law, the 10 commandments, the first four commandments tell us how to love God. The, second, the, the next six commandments tell us how to love each other. That's what the 10 commandments is about. The 10 commandments are the moral parameters by which we love God and we love each other. And don't you wish our nation would return to the 10 commandments? And I know that there are many nations represented in a lot of others, but I'm saying you can't get better than 10 commandments. They restrain our hearts. They help us to love God and love each other the way. The prophets, by the way, who were the prophets? They were representatives of a lovesick God calling Israel back into relationship. That's all the prophets were. The prophets kept coming to the nation of Israel saying, God, God misses you. Why have you turned your heart away from God? God wants you back. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. That's all the law and the prophet said. If you understand love, if you understand relationship, that's it. And let me say to you, you were created for relationship with God and each other. 
That's the purpose of your life. And you say, well, if, if God showed up and I could ask him any question, what would I ask him? Why am I here? And God would say, relationship. You're here for a relationship with me and with each other. Well, so in Genesis chapter two, we see the picture very clearly. God creates man and woman in a paradise called Eden, and they're in a perfect relationship with him and a perfect relationship with each other. That's the beginning. The, the Bible starts in a paradise with God and ends in a paradise with God. The Bible's a good book. And in the middle, it talks about how we have rebelled against relationship with God and each other. That's, that's the story of the Bible. So in the Bible, we're in, Adam and Eve, we're in a perfect relationship with each other, a perfect marriage, and a perfect relationship with God, and here came the enemy of relationship, the devil. He's the enemy of all relationship. And here are the two things that the devil did in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve that he does to all of us. The first is separation. He convinces two perfect people in a perfect paradise that the God who put them there was evil. He, you gotta admit he's good. You gotta admit he's good he immediately begins to accuse God and to try to divide her from God. And he's already divided her from her husband because he's not a part of the equation. She ate the fruit without ever talking to Adam. He's gonna, the day you got married, the day you got married and you said, I do, the devil said, I have a scheme against him. God has a plan for your marriage and so does the devil. And if you don't think the devil has a plan for your marriage, you got another thing coming because your marriage is a mortal threat to his kingdom. The devil cannot do in your family what he wants to do if you're happily married. The devil cannot do to your children what he wants to do if you're happily married. The devil cannot do in your community what he wants to do if there are marriages all over that community of people who love God. Marriage is a mortal threat. Marriage is the first institution that God ever created on this planet. And upon the institution of marriage, every other institution thrives. But when marriage fails, every other institution fails. And you can't save it until you save marriage. God is a strategist and so is the devil. And God understands if I'm gonna build a great society, I've got to have great marriages. And so he creates a perfect marriage as the foundation. The devil understands if I'm gonna destroy this society, I've gotta destroy marriage. What's the most important commandment, Jesus? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors, your love yourself. Jesus said, the entire Bible only speaks of two things, loving God and loving each other. The devil came and said, it's not about people or God, it's about things. If you only had that car, if you only had that house, Relationships are why we exist. And the devil is the enemy of relationships, always trying to divide, always trying to get us to substitute things for our children, things for our marriage, things for God, things for the most important things that matter. He wants us to go chase after all this stuff that won't last. And that's what he did with Adam and Eve. Separation and substitution is just the way he works. He doesn't have to change his methods. It's worked great for a long time. But that's what he's gonna do. I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life and that plan is to love him and to love people, especially your family. That's his plan. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. Satan has a plan for your life. It is for you to be lonely and divided and chase after things for the rest of your life rather than to pursue God and pursue relationship. It's just very simple. That's just the way he operates. That's his MO. And he's extremely good at it. Let me talk about vision for just a minute. Proverbs 29, 18, which I know, I knew this scripture 
but I never applied it to marriage. It says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Where there is no vision, the ability to see the people are unrestrained. Let me give you the paraphrase. This is, a, this is a good paraphrase of that scripture. When people who are together in relationship do not have a common understanding and agreement of what God wants for them, it is impossible to keep them together in a peaceful and productive manner. When you're together in a relationship and you don't have a vision, where there is no vision, the people are like this. They're, they can't be restrained. Can two walk together, Amos? Can two people walk together unless they're in agreement? No, they can't. If there's no vision, you can't keep people restrained. That's what it's saying. Well, I, I knew that related to anything else, but I didn't know that related to marriage. The Genesis principle in the Bible is God began in Genesis 1 creating everything, and the first thing that God said is, let there be light. When God, when God begins to work, he turns on the light. When the devil begins to work, he turns off the light. Because the God is the God of all lights and the devil is the prince of darkness. So whatever the devil is gonna do in your marriage, he's got to deceive you and put you in darkness before he can do it. But whatever God is gonna do in your marriage, he's gonna flip the light on first, let there be light. And that means vision. God wants us to see before anything else happens. And when God was creating, the first thing that happened is he said, there's gonna be light and everything I do is gonna be in the presence of light. So vision is light. Vision is letting God tell you what his purpose for your marriage is. God, why did you put us together? God, wh wh what are we here for? Do you know why God put you together? Let, let me say something. How do you know you're being successful if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish? You can't measure success. You say, well, why did God put you together? Um, how do you know if you're being successful when your answer is, um? That was my answer. If you came to Karen and me and you said, why did God put you, did God put you together? Absolutely. Why? Um, how do you measure, um? How do you get to a place called um? And say, we got there. We're, we're at um, and it's awesome. Let me say right now. Confusion is the opposite of clarity. You will live in clarity or you will live in confusion. And let me go back to my question earlier. What are you gonna be like in five years? You won't be like you are right now. In five years from now, you will either be more clear or more confused than you are right now, but you will not be the same. Either the devil will put you in more darkness than you're in right now, or God will give you more revelation than you have right now. One or the other is gonna happen, but if we choose God, we choose clarity. Vision brings clarity. Why did God put you together? Well, just sit there for just a minute, let me tell you why God put us together. It's wonderful to live your life knowing, but I remember sitting dazed in our living room when Karen and I were on the brink of divorce thinking, what's, what's going on? Where did we go wrong? You know, why is this thing so bad? And it's just such a frustrating feeling sitting there going, I don't know what to do. I don't wanna, I don't wanna lose her, but I don't know how to keep her. God never creates anything to operate in confusion. God wants us to operate in light the energy of our lives 
I didn't know why, you know, I didn't know God's vision for my life, but I knew the way I was wired. And I'm ADD, I'm very ADD. Um, for anybody that's ADD, God bless you. And, but I mean, I'm just, I'm very ADD. It's hard for me to sit, uh, you know, one, I, I can sit in the presence of God for hours and hours and hours and never get bored. But I can't, I can't do what most other people can do. In school, I was always a problem in class. I was the class clown. I never had a shy moment in my life. If I didn't like the teachers, they were in for it. it because A, I was always bored and distracted, and, and B, I just was a bad kid. But so, I just, you know, I used to think to myself, what would I ever do that would fulfill me? Because I didn't want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a scientist. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know. But, but I had giftings and talents, but they were just so wild. I just didn't know. When God gives you the vision for your life, it will be the most exciting thing you've ever heard before. When God called me to preach at 19, Karen and I had been married for a week and I was sitting in the backyard of our house. I could see myself preaching to a multitude of people. And um, that's when the Lord called me to preach. I can't tell you how much I love to do what I do. I can't tell you when Karen and I sit down and put on paper the vision for our marriage in our lives. It's the most exciting. I thought if you served God, the Lord would send you someplace you'd want to go. Okay, say, Jesus, I surrender. Outer Tasmania for you. <laughs> and get that smile off your face. Get this, don't you ever smile again. You're serving me now, bud. That's the way I thought God was. And a dear gentleman from Scotland set me free because I was in church one day and I felt like I've got all these desires in my life, but I'm sure I'll probably never fulfill them. And here's what Campbell McAlpine said from Scotland. He said this, we don't have the kind of a God that gives you a desire and frustrates it. We have the kind of a God who gives you desire and fulfills it. And so some people would say, well, you know, Jimmy, how am I going to get so passionate and energetic about this? When you hear God tell you why he made you, you will never be as excited in your entire life. I love to wake up in the morning. I love to wake up in the morning with that woman right there. I love what we're about. I love what we do. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. And every natural skill and talent in my life is being used. I couldn't do what many of you do. I just couldn't do it. I'm not wired that way, but I'm wired this way. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And easy means custom fit. When I come and put my yoke on you, you'll say, that is the best fitting thing I've ever worn in my entire life. It's size you. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.